All right, James, we just had James Camp on from, uh, which we met on Twitter. What'd you think? That was awesome, man. So much, so much, uh, he's done flipped, sold, bought damn everything, all different types of businesses. So, so we go into all sorts of, uh, parts of, I guess, his journey around buying and selling websites, big exits, um, losses, different offers he's got, what he's doing, what he's focusing on now with his newsletter, I guess, similar, similar to you with, uh, trying to grow the newsletter side. Yeah, no, I think, uh, we'll definitely have to exchange some notes. His list is a lot larger than mine. Um, I, I definitely did the pay to play. So mine's growing very, very quickly, but yeah, interested to see, uh, where he takes it and what he's going to be doing in the next couple of months. Cause he's currently focused more on, he's, he's not buying sites anymore. So because he thinks something big will happen in the next couple of months. So let's, let's see, let's see, let's see. But, yeah, um, sure. we need to, yeah. we need to plug our sponsor. Ahrefs. Yeah, this, this episode is sponsored by Ahrefs.com. Um, probably the most used SEO tool at the moment. Uh, James Camp also uses it. He mentioned DR, doesn't m- mention DA or whatever <laughs> SEMrush uses. Um, but yeah, shout out, shout outs to Ahrefs.com. Sign up for the newsletter below or sorry, sign up for the, their subscription below. And yeah, find out what your competitors are doing and ranking for. Exactly. And uh, if you're listening to this, guys, uh, you're you're in the recap. But yeah, just go go down on YouTube and just hit the like button. Uh, it helps us quite a bit. All right. Sweet. What's good, everyone? It's Jackie Chow. And this is James DeLacy. And you're listening to this week in digital marketing. All right, welcome to This Week in Digital Marketing. Uh, I'm Jackie Chow. Joined with me today is James Alacy and James Camp. James Camp, what's going James. on, guys? All good, man. What's going on with you? Um, just sort of uh, worried about balloons flying over America, you know, exhausting day. <laughs> <laughs> um, had a call recently with someone who's uh, a friend of mine who's special forces, and he was like, things aren't always what they seem. And then all this balloon stuff, stuff happened. So I guess I'm getting... I guess I'm loading up on supplies. A good friend of mine t- told me, he goes, we got to get some rice and beans. And I was like, if it's aliens, have fun with your rice and beans, bro. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see where I it goes. Up all the prepper sites are absolutely killing it right now. Oh, all yeah. All the survival yeah. prepper sites. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah. bet. I bet. Um, yeah, so, yo, why don't you give our audience, like, a quick introduction? Uh, how did you get started in this space? Yeah. And uh, maybe your background as well. Cool. Um I'm just like a, like I'm an internet kid is what I like to say. I'm 34 and I just, uh, I would never compare myself to like a Lumiere, like a, like a, like a Carnegie or a Mellon or a, but I will say there's an, if you ever read Malcolm Gladwell's outliers, you'll find that like mm. 95% of all the richest people on the planet were born in the United States between like 1864 and 1894. And it's just cause they were in the U S during the industrial revolution. So I'm 34 years old. I just happened to grow up on, on, you know, on CD-ROM, AOL and the CD-ROM. And so, like, that was just very serendipitous timing for me to discover the internet. Um, and, uh, yeah, I started blogging when I was, like, 15. And I'll, I'll never forget this. I had a, an article, two articles go viral on StumbleUpon and Dig, which I don't even think exists anymore. Mm-hmm. And I made, like, 32 bucks. And I was, like... That's a blast from the past. Oh, <laughs> dude. It, it was, Holy like, God. I knew... And, like, I, I'm sure I had some random thing before that. But that was, like, the defining moment of, like, I'm going to do internet money stuff in some regard. 
Um, and then I went down like an affiliate marketing rabbit hole. And when I say that, I mean like running a lot of paid traffic to affiliate offers, sort of I think a little different than we see on Twitter, people talking about affiliate marketing. Um, and end up building an ad network called uh, Liquid Offers um, mm. that I sold, um, I guess, two years after that. I was about 20. It was tiny, but it felt like a major win. Um, and I was like running Black Hat World. I was a moderator on Black Hat World. I was like 17 and Wicked Fire. Oh, wait, what was your... Uh... I don't, I'll tell you off the podcast. I'll tell you okay, the okay, name okay. off the podcast. Right, but, I was, right, right. but it was just... Jackie I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was me but it was black and world was a different thing 17 years ago right it was it was very different it was mostly like really sketchy black hat stuff like iframing ringtone offers and anyway, mm. running paid and stuff anyway um yeah sort of after, after that sort of you know convinced somehow convinced some people at big companies to give me contracts to do like much more up market offering real digital strategy work um mm. and then when i was 27 uh, I decided to move to Kuala Lumpur, which is, uh, you know, a little apropos yeah. of a, a, a tweet I think you had recently. I lived in Bangsar South. Um, yeah. Anyway, ran around, did some um, teaching at accelerators like uh, Magic, which is in like Putrajaya in, in outside KL, um, and then uh, Launchpad in London with Google. Came back to the States to visit my family. I had a friend who worked at a prop firm who traded oil derivatives and was like, hey, man, you worked at Google and McKinsey, right? And I was like, yeah, why? He's like... I just started a blog about marijuana investing. Do you want to get in on this? And he convinced me to like drop everything I was doing. And this was 2016 and we ended up building Ooh, what, what yeah, it was good timing for, for cannabis equities. And so we built yeah. like sort of the largest financial news site in the cannabis space at the time, ended up taking equity instant of cash from a lot of advertisers. And then a lot of them went public and just got very lucky serendipitous timing. Ended up building a bunch of other sites in the cannabis niche around it and sold that stuff in 2020, had nothing to do found Twitter and, uh, or refound Twitter and I started tweeting about sites I wanted to buy. And that turned into me building a newsletter called NanoFlips, where I started talking about deal flow in, in the space. And yeah, now I try and buy and sell small internet businesses. That's sort of what I do. Nice. Is that a, nice. was that a decent breakdown? There's a long one. I'm sorry. No, no solid breakdown. Sure. No, we should have seen uh, one of my guests, Tom in the FBA space. I think his intro was about 15 minutes. So I think you're, you're, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> okay, um, good, good, good. I can, I can yeah. ramble. So yeah, yeah. Um, so your, your nano flips newsletter, let's talk about that. Um, sure. it's, it's got hella newsletter subscribers. How did you get that? Is it all through Twitter? Did you run so, ads? All uh, organic. You, yeah. All okay. organic Twitter. Uh, you know, and what's ironic is that you'll see, what you see now is me plugging it all the time. And that's like a, de like the desperation thing, which is ironic because it's sort of the opposite of what maybe the perspective is. But like when that was crushing, I was doing 300 subs a day, some days, 400 subs a day, you know, that was just when I was blowing up on Twitter and I was, and I was plugging it, but it was super organic. Right. And mm -hmm. now I, I have it being plugged after a tweet hits like 50 fucking likes or something. Um, but it's become clear to me that Twitter is, I, I love Twitter. It's my baby. It is the world. I, I've had made such good friends off it. it I'll never leave it alone. But I don't want to, like, for lack of a better term, whore it out. And that seems, feels like what I've been doing with plugging my newsletter recently. So I think the answer is to go find a new channel, probably run some paid, um, and then let Twitter just be the networking magic that it truly, truly is. That's the real magic of Twitter is, is the networking, mm. I think. Yeah. No, I, I tend to agree. I've met tons of people off Twitter, some very smart people. Um, but, yeah. Man, one of the things I'm working on this week was actually growing the newsletter. 
I see you uh, conversing with Marketing Max. That guy's great. We should get him on the pod. But um, Max is a man. Yeah, Max lives right near me. We, we have dinner together next week. He sold oh, his agency to a, a good friend of mine. Like, it, and it was just serendipity. It was just by chance. I was with a good friend. And he was like, do yeah. you know Max? But no, I was like, I do. He goes, I bought his agency. And I, was like, and oh, I had great. been trying to buy Max's agency at one point. So it just happened to be serendipitous. Yeah, nice. Uh, his yeah, his uh, newsletter content on Twitter is great. I think uh, his playbook is pretty solid. I'm trying to do something probably similar. Um, but yeah, I think uh, my paid ad side is doing okay. I'm not getting as high, like as low of a CPS he is. But yeah, I'm really scaling on Twitter. So any tips you have for growing on Twitter or uh, the newsletter is welcome. But you just mentioned it was all through organic and you didn't plug it as much as you're, you're doing now. Before? No, it was just more thoughtful. It was the end of threads. It was the end of threads. What's nice about a thread, and this is just the algo changing and stuff. But what's nice about a thread is that it's almost like an LP. It's like almost like a really thought out landing page, right? So by the time mm -hmm. those subs are super high quality, like way higher quality than through paid, right? Because like mm -hmm. the, and you combine that with the magic of social proof, which is that if you are in, Listen, I don't think that I'm anyone important by any extent of the imagination, but a bunch of important people happen to follow me on Twitter. And so, like, mm -hmm. if you are in the marketing and entrepreneurship space or in venture capital, there are lots of big, important people that follow me. And so Twitter will show you other people that you follow that follows the person you're going to, right? Mm -hmm. So if you decide to sign up for NanoFlips through one of my threads and you go check my profile first, and, for example, you see, like, I sold a company, I sold a hearing aid company last year to, to Open Store. So open store is if Keith Radboy's PE shop out of Miami, you know, oh, yeah. and so now Keith follows me on Twitter. Right. And so like, I candidly, like if you're interested in venture capital or, you know, PayPal mafia is, or, you know, that world, all of a sudden you see Keith follows me and Jason, follow, all these people follow me. I'm not saying that they should or shouldn't. I'm just saying that like, it creates another layer of social proof that by the time you've signed up for my newsletter, you're much more bought in, into sort of being a subscriber. If that makes sense. Yeah, no. Got it. Got it. And, um, was your key to success on Twitter, just, uh, threads? Cause that's what I'm trying to go through right now. It's, it's, it's going well, it's going well, but it's not, um, still not at your level, man. So dude, if you got, if, just the game has changed, right? I just happened to be yeah. serendipitous timing, right? I had nothing to do it was 2020. Everyone was all over the internet, right? This is peak COVID, right? We sold oh, this, right, we, okay. we sold this, this, DMO Holdings I had it was a portfolio of content sites and equity and other businesses. We sold that in July 2nd of 2020. So I was just like, had nothing to do, obscene amounts of time. And it ended up being in a group of people. Um, and that group of people was this guy, Mitchell Baldridge and Cody Sanchez and like a bunch of people that are big. And we were all, and my mm. friend Colin, who now is one of my best friends on the planet. And we were all had like 2000 followers. And we're all like, we're gonna, we had just listened to a pod where Sean Puri and, and Sam Parr had made a bet to see who get to a hundred thousand first. And we were all like, we're going to do the same thing. And so we just got super competitive with it. We all were just crushing threads, but even threat, dude, I like, don't even have to do, I don't have a thread that has more than like 50 likes on it in like three months. You know, it's like, it's just so different. I used to bang 10,000 likes mm. on a thread, you know, so the algos change. Yeah. I also think that threads are the zeitgeist of what is interesting to people is changed a little bit on the platform. Um, yeah, it is. Right. I think, uh, I think uh, Twitter is heading towards more of a shit posting. <laughs> uh, I just say that. Um, no, it's pretty interesting. Um, you mentioned Cody Sanchez. She's crushing it on socials right now, huh? Mm -hmm. Holy cow. Imagine Cody's the, huge, the, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's absolutely crushing it on all, all platforms. Uh, James, I don't know if you know Cody Sanchez. Have you heard no. of her? No, she's like the 
was it the small boring business yeah she's doing Twitter, i mean right? to be honest with you in in i don't know do you know alex ramosi james yeah okay so i think that in our little world right we all think of alex ramosi is so big cody has twice as many followers as alex has on every channel right now right she's a Holy million shit. on tiktok okay. a million on youtube a million on ig right like these become these numbers especially in the business space like I, I don't want to get into it. She's never told me, that's for sure. But I could, I could back the envelope some of the money she's <laughs> making from audience, yeah. and it's and it's like obscene. It's 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 like the type of numbers that you have to be doing like a hundred million plus in a traditional business to like spit off that type of you know that type of cash flow. Um, so anyway, she's crushing it. She's she's a machine. She's really good at it. She's got a fantastic team. I think her background mm -hmm. in private equity has like allowed her to understand like structuring, running a team. Whereas I think a lot of the people that come up from Twitter don't have that background they think about like being a solopreneur which is really tough like for me one one tough thing i've had i've never run a team of more than eight direct people underneath me and that was a real fucking struggle it's like me sorry excuse my language it's like me on no, youtube cool. just like googling like like how to run a scrum you know because i've never been i had never worked on a team of people like i never knew what managing people was like you know so it was mm -hmm. like it's not, you know, and you normally learn from experience. And so I've never saw it. So I think Cody had seen a lot of that and been, a, 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 you know, privy to a lot of that. Yeah. Cool. Um, James, you mentioned like running your own team. Like, what does your team look like now? And what, like, what are you working on day to day? Is it yeah. nano flips 100% or do you got no. some like side flips on the side? You I also have mentioned an open store, which I want to talk about afterwards. But yeah. Sure. Uh, um, so currently I have three sites um, and nano flips. Um, one of them is like the bane of my existence. I've never had a content site that struggled so much ever. And the past 12 months have made me rethink a whole lot. <laughs> um, and I mean, I remember Panda and Penguin. I mean, I've been doing this forever. Right. And so like, yeah. but I have, I have a site, I could show you guys GSC right now, search console. And it's like crushing, crushing, crushing disappeared for three months. Crushing, 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 disappear for three months, crushing, crushing, right? And so not even like weird normal drops, no manual pen penalties, nothing. It just like disappears from serves for three months and then is on page one for every keyword for three months and then disappears <laughs> from serves for three months. And so Crazy. that's really, really frustrated me. Um, nice. Well, what was, how, how, how much did you buy that site for? And uh, you, we don't have to talk about the niche. Sure. Like, I'll, 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 I'll give you broad niche stuff. So actually it was a pretty small site. It was about $11,000. I bought it because okay. it's in a really, it's in sports industry. Um, what I'll say it's in a nascent sports industry where I think it's just the opportunity is massive. And so I rode, I'm a really firm believer in like all ships rise in high tide. Like I, I, I think that with my cannabis portfolio, my portfolio of cannabis sites, like, yeah, we did a great job, but I also understand that I just wo rode the wave of like what media and attention was looking at. Right. And so at one mm -hmm. point we were just, Google News approved, and we were just like anything we put, we would just copy a press release and put it on our site. We were number one on Google for pot stock, like every like single stock we wrote, we wrote mm -hmm. about. Um, but so this is in a, in a, in a sports niche that I think is just like exploding and has a lot of opportunity. And I sort of saw the alignment as like, I thought it was it, currently when I bought it, it was just about like product review stuff. And I saw the opportunity to make it about news as I've done very well in the news space before. And in the U.S., the domino that is falling is sports betting, and so I think there's, I think that, you know, I don't wouldn't try and get into a gambling site. That seems like it's an exhausting adventure that's really tough. But if you could crush a niche sports site 
and change the monetization over to like DraftKings partnerships, right? Mm. Like in and, and, and Barstool partnerships, you end up really, really, really positioning yourself to make a lot more money. So a lot of I mm. you know, I'm like a decent SEO, but I'm not the best. But I think that most of what I see often is that like people monetize really lazily. And sometimes the juice is not worth That's the squeeze to, to try and monetize better. But when it is, like for example, like when a gambling affiliate, you know, payout is like two hundred dollars you know what i mean and you buy a site that's making three hundred dollars you know like from amazon associates it's like it's not rocket science to see how you could triple the triple the value of that site pretty easily right and so that's sort of the bet i've, I've been making on on that one that's that's Got interesting it. as well because i'm in similar niches and i've seen i've looked that up before like the various like DraftKings stuff like that but it's all the a lot of it is gambling related sites ranking for those terms how are you looking to go after those within the specific sports take for example like football and you're like trying sure. to do football bets or whatever so i'm a pretty big proponent of, of newsletters and i think it's really interesting to circle back to newsletter stuff like i'm not so worried about top of funnel ranking for betting key keywords i think that's like sort of like a, just a that's a nightmare i mean obviously now all the fucking people will sell me backlinks for for pharma and betting and like that's obviously you can go that route if you want to do that but i think of it more as like just very clear indicator to who the people are going to be that are the readers of it um and then capturing them and then trying to push that upon them later on and the okay. other alternative is i think that a lot of i was very 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 lucky to just because i grew up in the right place and went to the right school with some of the right people but i got to play in some really upmarket opportunities i would i would say a lot of, I think the internet marketing community doesn't see. And so you end up having these like big agency world internet mar marketers that don't know like the little solopreneur world where the solopreneurs are making 10 times as much money. But most of the little solopreneur world have no clue that like an engagement with like a BCG or a McKinsey or a Bain, like what that actually looks like or what people will really pay. And so to go with that, like, I'm not worried about taking a drafting affiliate link. Like it's, for me, it's like going and like, getting on the horn with DraftKings and like actually like selling gotcha. them a direct ad sponsorship, right? As opposed to like, and understanding what, like figuring out who the AOR is for DraftKings. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, or, or something mm -hmm. similar, as opposed to just pull, pulling affiliate links from OfferVault or something, you know what I mean? And, and, and or from, from some CPA network, um, yeah. sure it's like CJ yeah. or something for, for them. Yeah, I had a, they'll pay I had so a guy, much more. I had a guy call, uh, get on the phone with me, shit, it must've been last year or the year before. And it was like, they wanted to place like bet three, six, five, all that stuff on my sites banners, but it was done through like almost like an ad CPM models. So they'll pay you sure. like, mm -hmm. whatever it was $20, but it wasn't like, it wasn't any better than like a display ad network, which was interesting. So I don't well, know so what, how it, that it, what, what I had done this whole, I tried to, God, a couple of years back, I really tried to run traffic arbitrage. Um, and lost a lot of money <laughs> trying to run from Facebook paid PPC traffic from Facebook into basically, I had a site, I called it quiz visions. And the idea was, it was the same board panda, the same model, right? Like basically just page uh -oh. after page after page in which you're trying to capture an RPM that eventually adds up to be higher than what you paid per click. Um, and I went down a giant rabbit hole into programmatic display. We ended up building our own ad server. spent a lot of money on that. And like basically setting up our own header bidding, like everything in a way that like we shouldn't have. But the truth is no one would let me do it, right? You go, go to Mediavine or, or like Lockerdome and tell me you wanted to start running a, a traffic arb. They're going to be like, okay, you're, there's no way we're letting you put our outs there, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So I sort of had to go that route. But it was a reminder. And, I, and, and to circle back to when I was an affiliate, when I was a kid, I mean, I was running 
10 plus thousand dollars a month of and top line, not profit, but of, um, of, of, of affiliate traffic, um, or revenue when I was 17. And then I, I started getting paid. The big offer I was running was FCR streetcreditreport.com. And I was running a volume through there. The FCR started paying me 48 bucks a lead. And I realized the street payout on that offer was like 25 to 28. So I literally, and I was a moderator on a couple of large internet marketing forums and friends of the owners. When we launched our, our CPA network, we literally just launched on the forums and we had like 4,000 publishers in the first week, right? Because we were mm. like talking about authority. It's the same thing happening on Twitter essentially, right? But there's authority and we were just being, we were just brokering that offer. And so my point is James to circle back is that like, if you, anyone on a CPM or RPM or CP, anyone, anyone, any advertisement you're running for someone is someone else's ARB, right? And so like, there's like margin to be captured if you can figure out how to go all the way to the, to, and if the real answer is if you can have your own products. Right. But so I think that like, it's uh, I think that if you, the closer you get to the actual AOR of an offer or the actual company, the more, the more revenue that you cap. Cause very often by the time an ad is on your site, it's gone to like four brokers, essentially. Mm-hmm. They're all taking like an extra five or 10% per click, yeah. you know? And so like that ends up making a pretty big difference. Right. So we'll see if I can pull it yeah. off. Otherwise I'll sell this site. <laughs> Right, right, right. Um, when you said it's like crushing for like the, your respective terms, how long does it crush it for? Uh, I'm just trying to figure out what happened, you know? Um, five for 10K, nope. did it go up in value shortly? Like, did it like moon and then it went back down? It's like a roller yeah, coaster. Yeah, so I bought it. I bought it for like, I think 10.5. I think it was originally sale for like 11.5 mm-hmm. or something. And I negotiated it for 10.5. I mean, this was like a pretty friendly agreement. I didn't even sign the 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 um, APA. Yeah, I didn't, even sign, didn't even sign the APA. I was like, I'll just wire you the money because I knew the person. You know what I mean? Like, and, and thank mm-hmm. God. And it, obviously, it's not best practices by next of the imagination, but it all worked out, and it was growing. You know, it it was growing. I was adding, you know, added a ton of content to it. That candidly, right now we're at probably like month five or six, and if I don't see a lot of that content starting to show up somewhere. I mean, it's been doing SERP dances, but like actually start to have some sort of actual ranking. So pretty low. I mean, it has a D it has like a DR of like 60, this site. Right. So like hmm. when I'm targeting super low competition keywords that are like informational, I, th- some of them should be ranking somewhere. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, grew, I was doing, and then grew, I was, it was in like 450 or 500 a month and then just disappeared. I mean, right. it's still ironically, and this is such a weird thing. I don't understand. The moment it dropped out of Google was the moment it popped up to page one on Bing for all of its search terms, right? And so like- So odd. <laughs> like yeah. saved me a little bit, right? Like it's just, like right now, I think, I mean, I could pull it open. I think it's made like 180 in the trailing 30 days. Like it's not a total loss, right? And I don't think it'll ever be a total loss, obviously, but it's been frustrating because it's one of the things that it's not, I guess I should be grateful it's not a massive site, but because it's such a mm-hmm. small site, like the the juice, like the effort that I'm putting into it, like I bought it thinking- this is going to be easy, easy, easy wins. And now I'm like five months into it, like working on something that like made me $180 last month. So, um, and by the way, prior, I had done this shitty little case study site last year before that with a dog Frisbee site, I bought 400 bucks in Bitcoin. And I, then I grew its revenue and sold it for like 1250. And I just did it because I want to have like a fully, everyone can see this. Here's the URL. You don't have to be like a super master to do this. Like here's my identifying keywords. So now basically I'm a year in to mm-hmm. working on these projects that dollar for time have been fucking horrific. So <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. Is your typical deal size, the, like the, Dude, the low five figures or I don't even know. It's um, a great question. Typical deal size is when like, you buy, sorry. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So I'd say buying for me has always been sub 100K. Actually, one thing was 100K flat, um, mm -hmm. but, but everything I've purchased has been sub 100K. Um, I've been knock on wood very lucky, I think, to not really have. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, there's, I have a million things that started from scratch that I, that I took serious L's on, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like burn through investors money that all gone, you know, but like, I, I've been very, very lucky to have never bought something that turned into an L for me and sort of, I, I'm sort of refusing to let it be that with this site as mm. well, <laughs> okay. you know, like, and if it is, you know, I, I, always, I had this epiphany yesterday. I was like, okay, worse comes to worse. You know, I've made 2000 bucks off it, you know, I probably spent 2000 bucks on it. If I sell it for 7,500 and I lose three grand, like that would not be the worst L of my life, you know? And like, that would just be the worst. Yeah. I, I, that's the worst case scenario right now, but I don't think it's going to happen. I'm pretty sure I'm going to turn around and, and, and flip it for more. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Um, you know, I'm the king of L's. Uh, I take it <laughs> straight to the chin. Uh, yeah. I still Relatable, to... bro. Relatable. Yeah, I promise yeah, yeah. You. No, man, dude, I'm still recovering, still looking my wounds. Uh, yeah, unlike the two James here, they they only take <laughs> major dubs here. Uh, no, I'm still struggling here, still struggling. No, the yeah, recent yeah. update really hit me, but I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Uh, that's why I take I take way more exits and I take way more money off the table nowadays, just to be sure. Totally. Um, I mean, I was very, very, very blessed. In third in 2020, we had a a low eight figure exit, and so that really sort of changed my risk appetite in a pretty dramatic way. Mm -hmm. Um. And and so you I had mean, a low figure eight wait, eight figure exit. Uh, can yeah, you talk about that? Sure. What the heck? Uh, what is um, it? Um, <laughs> it was a portfolio of sites and, and blocks of equity in other companies. Um, and I just timed the market really right. Again, it was not genius. It was just fucking serendipity. Excuse my language. Okay. It was really really lucky no, um, timing, and it was. Um, I mean, I was the smallest, I was a co-founder, not really someone mm -hmm. had founded it. I bought in three months after they founded it. It was like, I told you, my friend had been like, Oh, I started this blog. Do you want to help me with it? And I was like, Oh, sure. Um, mm. I raised equity rounds, debt rounds. I was diluted pretty good. Right. So I don't want anyone to, I think that everyone assumes I walked away with like oh. eight figures. Um, I walked away with six figures in cash and seven figures in, in public stock in a company that we sold to. Great. Um, are you fully what, invested now, by now? I, as of, <laughs> I don't want to go too into it. I don't talk about okay, the, okay. And I, but I'll go, I'll go over the very high level. I don't ever talk yeah. with the exact company, although anyone who really, really, really <laughs> digged could find it, but it's because I still own the equity and I'm mm -hmm. only in the past month have had my restrictions moved on my shares to be able to sell them. And I would prefer to not have the hundred thousand people that follow me be trading a stock that like holds a large piece of my net worth in it. And so got it, um, got it. If, if that, may, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Got it. Holy cow. Nice exit. Um, Thanks. Couple hundred, yeah. So, solid, especially on the equity side. Uh, but I'm guessing it, it went down throughout the last couple oh. months because of the oh. 20, 2022 was, must've been tough to look at, huh? For you? Sir, I'm probably down. 70% in, in, in the, in the paper I was given in the stock I was given. Holy cow. That's right. So it's whatever, like group, I mean, I'll still be fine. Section. It's not like the yeah. end of the world, but is, but I do think it's a really important lesson for people to recognize that like when people get exits over a million dollars, 
you know, it's very often much more complex than the, than it sounds like on the surface, right? Do you know I mean mm -hmm. like it is very rare for an all cash one time payout for a business? It happens for sure, but mm -hmm. I'd say that it's much more common to have earnouts, seller financing, like you know, mixes of stock and cash, you know. And so I just think it's it's you know, I, it's it's just a reality, you know, that I think people should recognize. Yeah, I think especially on the higher end. If you're yeah. Oh, yeah. well into seven figures, I think that's extremely common. Um, okay, yeah, cool. Yo, let's talk about your exit to open source. You mentioned hearing sure. aids. Can you talk about that? Uh, how do you feel about open source? James, do, James DeLacy, do you know what uh, open store is by Keith? Do not. Boy? I it's, have no idea. Do you know Open Door, <laughs> the, the real estate one? Yep, I used the Open Door app, I think. Wait, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I know the word. Yeah. I so it's like door. a similar concept. Uh, and Pretty much open store, what they do is they buy your site within two weeks is their sales pitch. Um, and pitch, all pitch they need the to do is, <laughs> yeah, all they have to do is like plug into your store and then they can send you an offer and then it's like extremely quick. Yeah. And uh, after speaking with some people, it's like, a, it seems like a pretty handy exit. It, it, they pay what, typically what's the advantage to, to selling to open store versus they're selling fast. on the market? They're so oh, okay. fast. There's so, wait, wait. Is that the only thing? Just speed. Yeah, yeah, and the multiples are slightly below uh, market rate, but it was all right. Um, hmm. Yeah, James, you, maybe you can talk about sure. how, how I was working with them. Faster than any other transaction I've done. Definitely not as not two weeks though, which is interesting because, in all fairness, hmm. anything I've actually ever done that's been over like ten or twenty grand, like it's never closing dates no. never happen when they say they're going to close. Took us like three months, candidly. Um, which was, which was really not too bad for about a million dollar transaction. So like, that's, you know, like I can't super complain, but there are, uh, it just was not as, it was definitely easier, but it was not as easy as promised. If, if that's a, if that's a fair way to, to break it down. Um, I actually was very lucky at a partner and he would did 90% of the heavy lifting, which was like mm -hmm. really useful for that. Um, I will say weird, different things I learned about. And when you start play, I don't know how much you guys play in the like the like Shopify e-commerce world ever, but this was a, mm -hmm. a, a brand built on Shopify, and so obviously cash flow management comes complex. So we had Shopify capital loans out, and I actually oh. know you can't sell a Shopify store while you have a Shopify where you have an open line of credit with Shopify capital. <laughs> so like we're like you know wiring off 120k from one k from one account to another account just to try and close a transaction last second to make sure it all got done. Mm -hmm. I will say open store, nothing negative to say about them at all. Um, I will say though, I, the vibe to me is more bankers than operators. And I do think that ironically, what's becomes really complex is that and you guys probably know as operators, but my, from my perspective is that like running a sub $10 million a year online business means you need to be able to operate it, right? Like it is not, it's not like uh, mm -hmm. buying it and stepping away, right? And, and just having somebody else run it. And so what I found is that the open source team was really nice and really great, but very young and much more, um, much more bankers, finance people, finance, than finance people, right? You know, I think um, in the, I don't want to go into their defense. I, I love bashing on open store, but uh, <laughs> I think in their defense here, it, it might be just the finance people uh, dealing with the transaction, and then totally. they have operators in the background. Um, but I think there, like you mentioned, there's probably there will be a disconnect if it's set up like that because you totally. can't pass on all the details from uh the finance team and uh 
the actual well, operational I, side. Yeah. And I've seen that as well too, right? So when I put, I had a company, I tried to, we bought the hearing aid brand was I was trying to do my own little aggregator, right? Like I just thought like, mm. and I'm an, op, I, I say I'm a marketer who moonlights as a banker. I'm not really a banker. I just have done some M&A transactions and been around some much, much larger ones enough to sort of really to speak to them. And I put together a company called Common Commerce and I added a bunch of people to my board because I know that a lot of, I, I've, I've accomplished some stuff, but having some good gray hair more than mine makes a big difference when you want to do larger transactions. And some of the people I, I add to my board are COOs or, or CFOs of multi-billion dollar companies that are just my friends, right? And they just were like, oh, sure, I'll mm -hmm. lend my name to it. And I would have them look at deals with me. And it's funny because for me, when I look at a deal, like I want to get inside Ad Manager. I want to get inside Shopify. I want to get inside Klaviyo. I want to, under, want to get inside GA. I want to understand how things are running. And everyone that I added to the board was like, they want to look at, you know, P&L, cash flow. <laughs> like that's all, you know, and like they could care less about the actual mechanics of, of the business, right? And so that was became clear to me. Good reminder that the bigger you become, you know, the, the people, when you buy a $200 million company, you know, you could buy a $200 million company and not know how to run it. You just hire someone to run it. Right, that's sort of what private equity firms do anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Very different than buying, to my point about buying a $50,000 blog. You know, it's not rocket science to run a $50,000 blog. Any, I believe anyone can do it, but you have to learn how to do it, right? You know, just like, mm -hmm. I find that often people think you buy like a $10,000 website and then just outsource it all. Well, yeah, if you want to take an L for the first year, maybe, right? But in <laughs> general, like you know, there's not enough margin, $300 a month in profit, $400 a month in profit doesn't leave you with enough margin to pay people very much, you know? Um, mm -hmm. maybe some content, that's about it. Yeah, no, I, I think they're, especially if you're not the one operating it and you buy these sites, um, it, it really eats into your margins, especially, Massively. yeah. And especially if you don't know the world as much, you'll probably get quoted out the ass for writers, uh, operators, so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, but. I guess we'll see. So you, you ended up exiting this, you partnered up with someone and with an operator, it sounds like, right? With the hearing yeah, aid? Yeah, actually with the original so, owner. With the, with the original oh, owner. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It was a really cool, interesting transaction um, because I was originally a consultant for them. And sort of like they, mm. they came into the business, hired me as a consultant. And I was like, oh, I, I could grow this. You wanna sell me part of this? It's <laughs> like, you wanna just, yeah. you, wanna, you wanna partner this? And he was like, okay, sure. But then it became like, it was more complex. It doesn't didn't need to be, but because like I put it in a new hold co, right? So then it had to do, you know, so it was like a share swap. So he didn't have a taxable transaction, but then he ended up owning a piece of the parent co anyway. But it was, it was great because he was already the CEO and paying himself to be the CEO, right? Mm -hmm. And so it didn't, it wasn't massive difference there. He's just the, the free extra free cash flow just didn't go to him anymore, <laughs> you know? Awesome. Um, and so, uh, yeah. when you guys exited, did, did he have to stay on to... Work with no, the team. Open source store? took it fully. I mean, yeah, for transition, but no, he, yeah, but he didn't. He doesn't um, work on it. Sick. That's that's a dub right there. Um, great. That's the best. That's the biggest dub I've had in a minute. I mean, to be honest with you, that was a good one. <laughs> to be really honest with you, we I tech, legally like on paper acquired this business in March of or maybe February. I have to look, but anyway, we we bought it and sold it in less than twelve months. And 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 grew it for, to like to like basically from like 600k a year to three to three million a year in less than 12 months, and that was sort of like, I mean, to be honest with you, like I sometimes have to remind myself of that because that was like such a such a dub, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, then, yeah. Um, and that's not realistic to to always do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And now that you've dealt with so many business models, like uh, 
you've done the consulting side. It seems like you've done the content sites, you've done sure. e-commerce. Is there like a favor for you? Cause, um, James, James DeLacy knows I hate e-commerce. I hate the cash flow <laughs> of an e-commerce company. I hate dealing with the logistics. Yeah. Uh, well, you hate it because it's physical feel- goods. I'll tell you what the answer. Yeah. I want to sell ones and zeros for the rest of my life, essentially. Software and information. Okay. I, I think I, I'd like to make, I've made some small play last year into the online education space. I think it's still a mired world because of the scammers that have existed in it forever. Candidly though, if you want to be a media buyer, an SEO, a copywriter, have fun at Warden, have fun at Booth. You know, they're, they're a waste of your time. You should buy a course, mm-hmm. right? That's just the reality. Agreed, yeah. um, and so I think that there's a really big opportunity as the sort of zeitgeist of the big business world is starting to view online education as real masterclass did a really good oper- did a really good example of that but except the thing is they did a terrible job with their product it's very entertaining but you won't learn anything from masterclass um mm-hmm. perfect example is that you it's in the delta entertainment system if i can watch it on the back of a headrest on a flight it's not really classwork it's really entertainment um yeah. and so i think there's a major opportunity with i mean i Listen, I am, I'm an advisor to some software companies. I'm an advisor to uh, a couple physical products companies. Like there's a cannabis the pre-roll company I own a piece of. I've been a partner in from the very beginning that is like very celebrity driven. And so it's done well because of that. But in general, like where do I want to put my time? Like I think ones mm-hmm. and zeros. I think, I think, you know, as much as like the internet as AI stuff like terrifies me and algorithms terrify me. I think that if I were to make a bet on the the reason you hate e-commerce is because you're looking at like, you know, to run great cold on a private label good, you probably need 75 plus percent gross margins, which are really hard, hard tough to find unless you're like in supplements or beauty. Um, but, you know, when you start playing with ones and zeros, it becomes the margins are automatically 85, 90, 95 percent. Um, and so that's where I think. For me, there's a larger online education play I'd like to play in, and I would love to buy a little software business. I ironically, mm. um, when I when I sold my company, they basically gave me like a 12 month little tour of their other firms, in which they basically mm. I was a consultant for all of them, fractional CMO, and I spent about four months running a 400 million dollar healthcare company, and not running oh, but being a fractional CMO for one of a of a telemedicine company. So I learned a lot about asynchronous funnels and stuff like that for prescribing like ED medication and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never owned a software company other than like owning 0.02% of it. So that's, that's the front, like that's the next thing I want to do. I want to buy like a micro SaaS or build one off of my audience. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that there's like a great opportunity there. All right. Sorry, Jackie. Yeah, I, just to, I just want to jump okay. in here. You mentioned James 70, 75% margins on supplements. What supplements are these? Oh, dude, any, dude, <laughs> any of the, like, law, any vitamin C, any, any, any sort of like the, the, what like about any of supplements, the... protein powders, oh, mass yeah. gainers, all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you, I can introduce you to suppliers for more than probably 85% gross margins on this. Okay. We're checking sure. off. Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> dude, that, I mean, that, that's the only space I play in there, right? They're consu- supplements are great. Consumable margins are insane. Um, you, the other side about consumable is what I'll tell you when we sold to open store, I'll, I'm going to tell a dirty little secret. I didn't sell that company. I didn't sell the assets of that company, right? We did an asset sale. And so, you know, I think that people- That's normal though, right? It is normal, but it's normal because they don't want to get sued, right? So if, if someone put a hearing aid in, they fuck up their, their, if someone put a hearing aid in that I sold them and open store bought the whole company, there's a bunch of reasons. You can write stuff down, all this stuff. But, mm-hmm. but most importantly, when you think about consumables or things you put in your ears and stuff like that, right? Like- is that if someone got hurt from a hearing aid, I still get sued, 
right? Because I, the company that sold to them, I still own it, right? Versus if they bought the company that the owners of that company get sued, right? So with mm -hmm. supplements, the only thing I've done, I get careful about, I had a piece of and ran digital for a company called Kanuka, just CBD and Manuka honey skincare brand. We were doing about 13 million a year, sold that equity, my equity in that when, when I sold my holdings company in 2020. And you've learned about really weird stuff about claims you can make about the dermis. Like you can't, when mm. like, like things penetrating your skin, once they get into your bloodstream, claims become sketchy. People can get sick. So the, the things that you ingest and are consumable are great, but there's the double-edged sword there, which is that like, you're just, you open yourself up to lawsuits much more likely. You open yourself up to weird claims. You got to be careful with the supplement space, you know, but yeah, you do supplements, right? That's, that's, that's the business to be in for sure. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, James. Um, I used to do supplements. I told you, right? Um, yeah, you said you're doing uh, like lion's mane and stuff like that, or something. Lion's mane, Regin saying, uh, yeah, margins were eighty five percent. Um, just sourced from China. They they're all uh they have all the qualifications because they the people you buy from in the U S. They just source from China and bring it in, anyways. Yeah, so, so you just have uh, a middleman basically. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's probably why you don't see the margins as high. You probably went with like a U.S. guy, um, but no, it's pretty in interesting. So, uh, James Camp, uh, <laughs> are you going to be focused on your newsletter this year, or you mentioned online education? Are you going to are you going the co course route? Um, yeah. So I did a small I did a small course last year. I didn't ever want to. It's so funny. Like I now have been saying full like, circle, you, we've gone full circle, full circle. Yeah. It's like, you, I, I always say like, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself sell a course on the internet. And I've lived long <laughs> enough to see myself sell a course on the internet. I think that a lot of, um, a lot of it for me has been like trying to understand how to teach. Right. Cause I wasn't, I hated school. I did really horrifically in school. I went to five high schools. First time I got kicked out of school was, was fourth grade. Um, and so like education for me was a struggle growing up. And I, I, I like to hope that it wasn't intellectual capacity it was that I just really didn't want to be there. And so mm -hmm. when it came to teaching, because, you know, apropos of us talking about sort of me not having the experience inside of a traditional work environment very much to understand how people led massive teams. Um, I didn't really ever pay attention to school. And, e and even then, I don't think that the traditional way of education is actually how you teach very well. So something that's been really interesting for me is like to learn how to actually teach really well and get results for people. And that's really, I think, important. It's more like a trade school. I think that's, I think we're looking at this, like this, the online version of trade schools having massive opportunity. And I think that that's mm -hmm. really what it becomes exciting to me because again, like if you want to be a welder, don't go to Wharton. If you want to be a media buyer, don't go to Wharton. I don't care that it's a top B school in the United States and probably top five in the world. Like you will not learn that there. Like it is not possible. And as someone who took, I, you know, I'd taken plenty of marketing classes in college. None of them taught me anything. I don't mean to like knock on my, on I mean, my they're, phone. they're like 10 years behind to be frank, Easily. right? Easily. And every time, by the time they iterate, it's like the, the trend. Is yeah. They're always gone. behind. And, and, and the problem is because of financial incentives very often, I generally believe this. Right. Yeah. And so the problem is that for me, the only way for me to really sit here and teach is I have two options. There's a couple of people I really like that I'm happy to share with, or I can get a dopamine hit from tweeting. And I've now, I've, I need to get back to more being useful tweet tweets. I've it's become very platitude in the recent, but like the way I blew up on Twitter was incredibly tangible, tactical stuff. Right. And so I need to get back to that. But so then the problem becomes when you spend that much time, you either have to have someone who's really rich and willing to give away their time for free, or you have to incentivize the educator to make money. And the problem is that in a college, there's no financial incentive, right, for professors, right? So the idea that someone's going to work 80 hours a week to go make 60 or 70 grand a year, if they're really good at what they do, 
is really tough unless that person already has a lot of money and wants to do mm -hmm. that, right? So the, the financial incentive has to align, I think, and the online education component makes sense to do it in that regard. Um, so I'm going to focus on newsletter a lot. We, you, you touched on Max earlier. Um, you know, Max is crushing at the newsletter space right now. I think it's very, the, the unit economics are very simple when you figure out mm -hmm. the newsletter space, right? It's like a sub cost X. I, you know, right now with NanoFlips, I charge between $500 and $700 for, um, between a 50 and $70, sorry, RPM. So for every thousand readers, um, let's just say the blow into that, that means I get five cents per reader per send, right? So if I, I do one send a week right now, if I did two cents, it'd be 10 cents a week for, or, you know, $55 and 20 cents a year. So if we forget churn for the sake of this, because that just complicates the math that I can't do, because very simple that as long as that I become, you know, if, if I can spend up to $5 a sub and be self-liquidating in 12 months and whatever break even in 12 months, that's a very simple, like, let's just pour gasoline on that fire. As long as you have the 12 month mm -hmm. attrition inside of you, it gets a little different at scale and stuff. But so newsletter is going to grow a lot. Um, I, I'll, the big secret here is I want to flip nano flips one day. Um, probably not a big secret. All I don't talk about is selling online businesses. I'd love to sell nano flips. And one thing I want to do, I just bought onlineacquisitions.com. So I would like to sort of change it. I'll keep nano flips as is, but build a little bit of more of an upmarket M and A advisory, which I've done a bit of in, in my life. Um, and I would love to exit to like an institution or if not an institution, then one of the brokerages, right? I think that I'm a, mm. I'm a very easy acquisition for a flippa or an empire flippers or an acquire.com. Um, if I can come and say, Hey, I have a hundred thousand subs. They're all looking to buy businesses. And by the way, we also make two and a half million dollars a year in free cash flow. Right? I think that's a pretty, not a rocket science exit. So that's the hope. Yeah. That's a compelling, uh, story. Um, yeah, I think f for me personally, like it's not so much growing the newsletter because you, you, you can turn on ads and you can crank, crank it and you can probably get three to $5 per sub. Yeah. Um, for me personally, it was harder to find, uh, like advertisers because then totally. uh, marketing max men makes it seem like it's so easy to find, uh, sponsorships. Cause I, I think maybe he has like a sales team already. He's he building like a pipeline. And then you just go in and just, it's like a plug and play. So I think this year I've been looking really into that. Um, yeah, we should share some notes. A hundred percent. When we're not on this, I will, I'll, 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 I'm happy to reference you to a couple like basically agencies that would just, that just, you know, do exactly that. I mean, I can tell you who I use. I just use ConvertKit. ConvertKit mm -hmm. sells all my ad space with it. So they don't sell out all of them candidly. Um, but there are a couple other agencies I know that basically are just AORs for newsletters. Um, and then I think Max does, from my conversation with him this week, unless I'm, I'm mistaken, does have a, a full-time salesperson um, that's yeah. out there selling. The problem with the newsletter sales is that it's the same audience, right? So you burn through advertisers, right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, it's not that it's, they're a bad audience. It's that after you've bought four cents from me, five cents from me, like until I fully re-up my audience all over again, right? Like how much do you want to send to mm -hmm. the exact same audience again and again and again? Um, yeah. For me, what I've had to be careful with is most of the advertisers that want to advertise to me, their back end is crazy. It's like masterworks. It's like funds. It's And so for me, like I don't want to – I don't want to send my readers to invest in something that I don't invest in myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or that I have – you know, like that feels like a sort of misalignment. Yeah. Um, and, no, I hear you. Yeah. No, I think uh, to speak on the – 
the same audience thing. Uh, one tactic. So we, we were lucky enough to get some sponsorships for the podcast, newsletter, et cetera, so on and so forth. But I've just been pouring that, Jackie. Yeah, no, let's, let's just mention it during the recap. No, um, no, the, 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 right now. <laughs> yeah, we could, we could, we could. Um, but anyways, uh, everything I do, uh, every sponsorship we take, the revenue, at least on my end, is I just pour it right back into um, growing the newsletter. Because sure. I, I don't need like a couple grand, it's, it's whatever. But if you totally. just make it into some sort of w- weird ad flywheel, um, Every, every, let's just say sponsorship you sell, you you just put that right back into growth. Then you can bring this, Hey, uh, we grew the list by three, three K last month. Uh, you can hop on again. We're going to throw it back. Um, throw all the budget back into growing the list. So you, you'll be able to benefit from it. Um, but yeah, I think it's, a it's a, something interesting here with the newsletter, yeah. but yeah. Well, the other side of it is, and, and what, what I made you candidly and I've, this thing I've fleshed out a lot recently is like, I just made do, I have about 15,000 subscribers on NanoFlips right now. I've had about 22,000 in total. I've had churn from info product launches that was aggressive, like much stronger churn than you would see from a normal send. Because when you send 10 promo emails in seven days, a lot more people unsub than, than if you send a normal newsletter. And, you know, what I may end up doing is, is just adding another send and, a little bit of extra like phone calls, Q and a, that kind of stuff, not a full community and, and having a paid newsletter at like 49 or 97. Right. And so, and I, and for many people, it will be inaccessible and it's fine. Look at the free one, but even at like a 2% conversion rate, which I think is doable at like that level of a ticket into that newsletter. Mm. Um, and I just know, cause of what I've sold in that newsletter before, um, you know, 2% conversion rate, 300 subs. I mean, we could cut it in half and say 1%. I'm sure I could convert 1%, you know, like one, you know, 150 subs at hundred bucks a month is $15,000 a month. Right. And that's MRR, right. That's very different than going out and selling ad sales every month, you know, like, mm. and it becomes a much more compelling offer to sell. You know, you get, you probably get like an, an extra, an extra 12 months of multiple boost onto it. Right. Cause it's mm-hmm. recurring. Um, and so, you know, shout out to Max, who was the one who suggested that to me, actually, because I was like talking to him. I was like, oh, man, it's very simple math. Ad says, well, he was like, why don't you just fucking charge, you know, why don't you just do an extra send and some Q&As and, and some, add, you know, adding a bunch of package to it and making 97 a month. And I think that may be the right answer there, right? Because then at scale two, becomes much more justifiable. You're earning a, at, at that level, I'm earning a, a dollar a month per sub. Right. That's mm. a, that's so. And all of a sudden, if it costs me five to acquire a sub. And again, forget the math, the math of conversion rate into paid, but you know, then I'm, then I'm self liquidating in five months. I was very lucky too. I did a JV in 2020. I sold my company first business I reached out to and I did, I did a JV with a company called Agora, um, Agora financial, which is a a very large publishing company. Um, Yeah. They do about a billion a year in newsletters. Mm -hmm. They're like sort of secretly the monsters there, but you learn a lot about like self-liquidating on the front end tripwires, then co-reg to pay for it. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you're mm-hmm. making money, acquiring a subscriber before you're even sending anything to them, you know? And yeah, that's a pretty decent opportunity as well. Hmm. All right. I mean, it seems like newsletters me a heavy focus for you this year. Um, yeah. Any, any, anything else? Are you, Oh yeah. How do you feel about the, the AI movement? Do you think it's going to hit <laughs> the content size? Yeah. Well, here's my, let me give you my, I want to be completely transparent and say that I am 
clearly have a, a dog in this fight and that's that I own content sites. Right. So like, yeah, I am, I like, I'm not, I see some people saying the sky is falling chicken little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. I think a lot of it's fear porn. You know what I mean? That's fine. I do think my bet is that we are going to see certain keywords have pretty significant drops. Right. And that's, that's, and that's, that's just the reality. Um, I think we're going to see, and you saw on, on Bing with GPT already, sort of basically featured snippets getting replaced. Anyway, go on Bing anyway and go through a Bing search. It's crazy the level of details that exist on certain search results. I was looking at mine the other day. I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we end up inevitably in the next, in our lifetimes, gentlemen, I believe that we probably see most of the jobs that we all do online today, as is today, get pretty replaced in our lifetimes. I'm not so worried about the next five years. I think that we live in like a little bubble. I'm amazed at how fast. It's great that chat GPT was the fastest to a million users. Like that's cool and all. But I think that the, like, I don't think the average, I don't think any human, myself included, can really comprehend what 8 billion people is. And we still onboard like 200,000 people to the internet every day. They've never been on the internet mm-hmm. before. So my bet is that from a search perspective, certain keywords look at pretty significant drops. And I think that this just leans into what I've seen over the past 15 years of doing this, which is that when I first got into this, You'd buy an EMD, an exact match domain. We'd put up content. And then in the bottom of the page in white, we would keyword stuff on top of a white background. <laughs> and we'd rank number one like clockwork, essentially, right? Like, and it was, and then SAPE came out, which I don't even know if people know what SAPE is anymore, but a bunch of like Russian, basically PBN stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all changing all the time. It always gets tougher. And what I'm finding is that I used to push people, not push people, but be like, oh, yeah, anyone can buy a content site. No. I think that basically content sites, authority blog, authority sites, niche sites, whatever you want to call them, I think are going to the ones that are going to do well are going to be really predicated on having real eat in Google's mind and videos mm-hmm. and photos and making things unique. Um, I do not see a total end to search. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I obviously would be pretty upset if I was. I what I am doing though is waiting over the next two to three months to see how this really starts rolling out, how Bard rolls out, how how ChatGPT rolls out inside Bing before I make any total changes into the way that I do things. Um, so it freaks me out. I hate it. But I think as in anything in this world, to bring this back to you know, full circle to Malcolm Gladwell's outliers, just as everyone lost their job making shit by hand, the greatest, wealthiest people the world has ever known were created during the Industrial Revolution. And so inevitably, people are going to be hurt by AI, and others will use it as a tool and make more money. My my hope is to be the latter. My plan is to be the latter, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there there will be uh, whoever capitalizes this, on this the most will probably be the first trillionaire on uh, on the yeah. planet. I mean, you know what I would do, for example, like and I tweeted this the other day, but like ChatGPT. Let's say you have like you know a giant authority site, content site that's got a bunch of like decent money pages. Just go, you know, let's say there's 30 pages that bring in tons of traffic, 50, whatever. Go use ChatGPT to go make 50 bespoke lead magnets and and have a pop-up on each one of those pages that is particularly made specifically to that page and go build a and go build an email list that way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that that's an amazing opportunity. One thing that to me is the real opportunity. If you can if you got a six-figure budget for a website, I had a friend who bought a site, was doing a 200,000 uniques. This is a crazy story. He negotiated on Flippa, bought it for $5,000, 200,000 uniques. It took him seven months of negotiating. No one else wanted to buy it because it was like, it's built on PHP. And he was like, I got to learn all these database things, all this stuff. Anyway, 200,000 uniques, 50% US traffic. 
I mean, pretty clear, you know, newsletter, forget even just display ads and affiliate stuff. There's pretty clear newsletter opportunities there, right? Like, mm -hmm. like really quickly you're, you're capturing two, three, 4,000 new subs a month, you know, for free. And, and it, within a 24 month time frame, your email list is worth more than the website is. Right. And, yeah. and obviously, you know, search isn't destroying your newsletter. So anyway, that was my little rant there about the opportunity in that regard. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I, I'm personally sitting on my hands. I wouldn't want to be caught holding the the bag, so to speak. Um, in the let's say if there is a content site Armageddon, um, that's why I've been like sitting on my hands the last couple of months. We'll see. I've, I've been reviewing some deals. Um, where do where do you get your deal flow currently? Is it so private? Is, is it, yeah, yeah. So this is funny, man, because I don't think I have. Everything has been off market. I mean, obviously, I mean, it's for the past like couple of years and that's become tough for me because I just to be really candid with people, like I obviously tell people to go look at all the marketplaces and brokerages because it's where you have to go look. But I'd bet you also, Jackie, get DMs all the time, people trying to sell you stuff, right? So like, you mm -hmm. know, one, one thing I tell people is that when you're really getting into this, if you're really looking to buy sites, start tweeting about it, start talking about it, start partaking in these communities. Because, um, I mean, I had a, every deal I've done over the past, I mean, off market's relative, right? But I mean, like they've not been through like a Flippa or a Empire Flippers um, in the past three or four years, you know? It's all DMs or a friend calls me up and says like, oh, hey, like, do you want to buy this? And I say, no, I know someone else wants to buy it. I've actually brokered some deals that way myself. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. I, I think uh, these marketplace deals tend to be, well, not very much good deals. They're probably a bit inflated because they got to pay the platforms um versus the the dd they have to go through on empire flippers is pretty intense um most of the time i, I would just rather work privately you you move a bit quicker um yeah and it's hard to get scammed nowadays with all the tools available to us right so it's well yeah, it's, it's hard to get scammed if you actually like try not to get scammed which is what i find mm -hmm. really interesting which is that like, I'll tell people all the time, like I had someone who today as a favor, um, I'm like looking through their analytics for them, trying to understand, just break down some stuff for them. And they're off a site they bought. And the, and at first I was like, is this even installed correctly without even checking to see if the tags are there? You know what I mean? Like, cause there's no traffic ever. And he's like, oh, yeah. it's new analytics. I just installed it after I bought the site. But now it's been like two weeks and there's been no hits on it. And for me, it's like, oh, you, did you actually even get added in to the original analytics? Do you mean, did you just like take it at face value to your point? Like, as long as you really dig in, it's, you know, it's pretty easy to verify most things. These yeah. Days. Unless you're, well, so what, what, what if you were like, one of your readers got scammed or what? what yeah. Here? I mean, he bought like a $300 website. I mean, it was like a tiny, it was oh. like, a, <laughs> oh, okay, it, like a tiny starter site. I mean, it's, oh, go, go, you go. know, it's almost, you know, I, I don't want to say this to him, but it's probably, a great lesson he learned for 300 bucks. <laughs> you That's know fine. what I mean? Like, 300 bucks, dude, cost of doing business. That's like, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, and now <laughs> he knows, right? Yeah, yeah, now he knows. I mean, to be honest with you, that's, you know, you, that's the best way to learn is to have something like that happen. You know what I mean? Um, hmm. But yeah, it's off market deals are the way to go. I think that what's interesting is that I think if anyone really put in the effort, could just start. I had one person, because I told you I, do, I did a couple um, small cohorts last year to help people buy sites. And one person, the last one, bought a this is sick i won't i don't want to give away the site but bought a site in the horoscope space that they paid twenty thousand right. dollars down niche, yeah. and 
seller financed the rest of it as a partner with the seller because the seller had bought it years ago, didn't have done anything to it. It's making like mm-hmm. five or six grand a month on its own. And That's they crazy. did it by just cold <laughs> emailing the website owner and was like, Hey, I, I love this site. You want to sell it? And I think that, I think that actually I, I've never done it like that. I don't think, but like, I bet if you just put in the fucking effort doing that for a month, you end up with some pretty good deals on, mm. on your plate, you know? Yeah. I either, um, always sell or finance or I keep them on board. I got a significant percentage, not like I, I would take majority. It would be either 60, 40 or 70, 30, 80, 20. Um, but yeah, that it, it helps them stay engaged. Uh, they're the expert in their niche. Um, also you got an operator and maybe you got a future employee as well. It's great. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, th- thanks for hopping on today. Is there a final note for people just starting out in the industry? Like what would you recommend them do? Would you still recommend them get into the, the niche website flipping game or cause there's still an arbitrage play available for the next at least couple of years. Um, totally. Well, what's funny about that is that like, I think that myself and some other people have destroyed some of the arbitrage ironically, mm-hmm. because when I first started tweeting about this, I was, you were literally sites for sale over Flippa that you were just using AdSense. And I like, was just like, anyone with literally half a brain can, if you have sub 50,000 visits can go switch to Ezoic and you have over 50,000 go to MediaVine or AdThrive and you'll, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and are that pretty quick and you can flip that site pretty quick. And that's pretty gone these days. I don't think like I'm the reason, but I've been part of the, the reason I think that, that, that there's less of those. Um, I would say wait the next four, six weeks. I want to see what happens, at, you know, with, with AI. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, I'm sure you guys all saw that Google now basically had to change their stance on AI, AI and say that they're okay with AI <laughs> content, which is like really yeah. interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how to take that yet. I would say that still, I would never, I always tell everyone, if you're looking at buying an online business, buying a website, that like, if you have no experience, that your best bet is going to be a content site. And you should probably just try to build one from scratch first, just mm-hmm. so you can learn how to install WordPress and a plugin and do that shit. Post that, I could teach anyone like very basic. I mean, if you buy a site that's got like a DR of 60, forget the shitty site I am dealing with right now. It's pretty easy to find low competition keywords to write decent content for and rank pretty quickly, right? Like that's not total rocket science. With that said, most people love, Jackie, I love that you don't love e-com because everyone I know wants to be involved in e-com. It seems sexy. It seems cool. But I tell everyone is that like, unless you have experience at an agency or in working for a DTC brand before, I wouldn't go buy an e-commerce brand. It wouldn't, it's just, it's like, it's a a lot tougher to, um, and anyone, you can learn to do it. It's just the, the, the learning curve is steeper, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And the amount of time you put in is steeper because everything, What's nice to go sort of what, 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 what James and I were talking about earlier with like sort of ad rates coming, you know, is that on a content site, the only you make money by being that middleman, right? Essentially, you 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 are a bridge, right? This is traditionally how it's worked. You are a bridge between someone looking for an answer, you give them the answer, and you get paid as an affiliate or for a display ad for giving that answer. The difference between ecom is you can make more money, but you own the back end. Right? So now you have to deal with the back end. You have to like actually sell that customer. You have to deal with fulfillments. Did you just you cut deal out? with customers? Yeah, oh, did. did I cut out? You guys hear oh, me? Yeah, there we go. Okay. We got you. Um, so the difference with e-com is that you can make more money. There's more margin because you're not going through the middleman. You're getting rid of the middleman, but you have to then fulfill that for that customer. You have to go ship that yeah. product. You have to go deal with customer service. You need to do e- you know, email flows, everything. So for everyone starting out, I'd say that I'm still a big proponent of 
content sites, niche sites. Um, I don't think they're going to listen. Google has to get their data from somewhere. A B I think that people, I was at Ezoic. I'll tell a very quick, cause I know we're o- over time. Sorry. I'll tell a very quick anecdote. <laughs> I was down at the Ezoic offices in Carlsbad like two months ago mm-hmm. and they had me and some other big publishers there. And then they had sort of people come speak to us about the industry. And there was an algorithm expert who came and Basically, we're talking about my pitch to people has always been that Google's business model is so beautiful. It is so perfect that all they have to do is give you the best search results forever. And you'll always keep coming back. And the person was like, I actually don't think that's what's happening. I said, what do you think is happening? And they said, I think that Google and we were talking about why you can find TikTok in Google search results now instead of just a YouTube short. Right. And I was like, because they Mm -hmm. want you to have the best answer. And the person was like, I think it's because of antitrust. I think that Google is just afraid that the government is going to shut them down at any moment. So most mm-hmm. of the decisions that they make are to avoid the government shutdown. So if when you search Google, you could only find Google results, like for video, then you might run into an antitrust issue, right? And so I think there's two things about, about, about AI content and search engines that people are discounting. One is copyright. And so there's a lot to be said about taking other people's work repurposing it and making money off of it and and mm-hmm. and and then combining that with impeding on them making money and running their business right and so i think that anyone can make an argument that google is is uh, a major part of running any online business today and so that mm-hmm. google making it impossible for people to get traffic from 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 stealing people's content and then making it so you can't get traffic even if they cite it that you are impeding on business of small businesses in the United States. I think that there may be some weird antitrust stuff. And what we're seeing even in the copyright space is Getty is already suing half the AI image generators, <laughs> right? Because yeah. they're finding literally like little white boxes on the fake images, which are just clearly yeah, more. That's Getty their image. fault though. They're, they're training with Getty images with the. Uh, um, totally. Yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting. Um, no, I do agree with the fact that there's probably some antitrust issues. Uh, I mean, I think a good example is what happened to the lyrics websites. You know how they got caught uh, just scraping lyrics websites? And I didn't uh, know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, lyrics now show up as like a rich snippet. First place doesn't get any clicks. And um, obviously, these guys were, what is it? A- a- ABC lyrics or whatever. Sure. Um, <laughs> used, to get, used to get a ton yeah. of traffic. Then Google introduced this, destroyed them. And then they, they, they had a hypothesis that Google was scraping their website. So they started like adding random characters in between the lyrics. And that's how they found out. Um, and they took them to core and won. It's pretty interesting. So wow. I think this, this is a pretty good example of what we can expect to happen in the AI space moving forward. But yeah, uh, yeah. it's scary, but fun and exciting. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what, you know, yeah, like, no, it is exciting. I, I just don't believe my sum up of that would be that like, I've spoken to a couple people who are also sort of, I think, well-known in our little circle. Uh, and they are like, search engines are over. It's fully done. And I just, and I just think it's fear porn. I think it's like, it just feels like, listen, I think in the same way in 2008, we had this tech bubble in 2000, right? Like, cool. Right. Then it disappeared. And 20 years later, you have the massive giants that exist today. I think that we went through a crypto bubble. I'm still bullish on a lot of crypto. I think 99% of what we think of as, as crypto will be never, ever, ever exist in the future. And, mm-hmm. and in 20 years, we're going to see what exists. I think we're going through an AI bubble. And what I mean by that is like, first of all, except for GPT, half these AI bit sites everyone loves now already existed six months ago, a year ago. 
and no one was just talking about them. It's just the AI is hot. So mm -hmm. we're going to see this bubble, this zeitgeist. Everyone's obsessed with AI right now. And I do think it's going to change the world. But I do think that in the 24 months, we're going to see a lot less talk about it. And certain things are going to, are going to stick around and certain things are going to go away forever. That's my take. Yeah, that's amazing. No, I agree with that. Uh, definitely a bubble going on. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, James, where can people find you? Uh, Nanoflips.com. Guys, go sign up for his newsletter. Thank um, you. But what, what's your tag on uh, Twitter? To, uh, on Twitter, I'm uh, at Jameson Camp. Um, or James on campus, how you spell it. My name is James though. Um, and yeah, same thing on every social media profile. I mean, same thing on, on TikTok, which I try and mess with a little bit. At some point I'm gonna ex expand inside Twitter, but that's that's where I live for now. That's my that's my my little cave of the internet that I feel safe nice. in. Nice, perfect. Well, if you guys are listening on YouTube, go hit the like button, Spotify, go rate it. Same with Apple Podcasts. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for listening, guys. All right. Thanks, James. Uh